Greetings, friends and brethren in the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly, exceedingly great joy. Today, I want to talk to you about a message that I have titled Clash of the Kingdoms. And this story goes back to 2007. You see, I was raised in the Serbian Orthodox Church. My parents, both being Serbian Orthodox, raised our family and faithfully took us to church from the time we were little kids until I was an adult and went off to college. So I was raised in the Orthodox faith, but when I went to college, I became a born-again Christian. But in 2007, January 7th, which is the day that Serbians and most Orthodox always celebrate Orthodox Christmas, my father and I went to church. And as we were sitting there in the pew and, you know, just listening to the liturgy, um, something happened. Now, I do want to say that this would be the last time I would be in church with my father. Little did I know that seven months later, he would be deceased. But as I sat there, because I wanted to honor him and be with him and, and celebrate this wonderful time that I grew up, grew up to love, um, I had an open vision. Well, what is an open vision, you might ask? It is a vision from the Lord while your eyes are open, literally open. So an open vision is that you're seeing right into the spiritual realm. Now, typically visions come when a person is in prayer and they have their eyes closed. But I was just sitting there feeling the strong presence of the Lord when suddenly I saw this vision. It was a clash of darkness and light. It was a violent warring of the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of hell. It was so intense, I could feel myself breathing very hard. And then it was over, and the vision was gone. The intensity of this clash, this fight, was very overwhelming. I was physically shaken. I did not see who won. I just had a glimpse into the spiritual realm, and I saw the clashing of light versus darkness. It really shook me. It was light versus darkness. It was good versus evil. It was heaven versus hell. It was an all-out war. Now, I never, ever shared that vision, at least that I can recall. I just kept it to myself until now. Eleven years later, the Holy Spirit reminded me of that vision. I had tucked it into the back recesses of my mind in 2007, but now the Lord reminded me of what I had seen. I saw in 2007 exactly what is happening right now. Now, let me explain. It's not that this clash of kingdoms that I saw in 2007 
had ended. No, it was an ongoing battle, but the intensity of what I saw in 2007, I believe, is what we, right now in 2018, are experiencing. Now, as an American living in the United States, you can see it all around you. It's palpable. You can feel it. You can sense it. It's it's always in your face. Whether you are watching television, reading the newspaper, uh, you're on an iPad, an iPhone, looking at social media, it doesn't matter. You have to see that what is happening is um, has escalated. I mean, it's evident in everyday life. Let me explain something. Just recently, this past Friday, January 19th, we had the March for Life. The Right to Life movement had a march on the Washington Mall. Now, they've been doing this for some time. And this is a movement, a march to, por- to support life in the womb. It's against abortion. It believes that life begins at the moment of conception. This march was on the National Mall, and President Donald Trump spoke from the Rose Garden to all those on the mall via telecast. President Trump, I know this is hard to believe, and I don't care what your politics are. I'm just sharing information. President Trump is the first president to ever speak at a March for Life rally. You know, it made me scratch my head because I thought, I know we've had other presidents that have seemingly been supportive of life, but he is the first president to actually speak to the people at the rally. So this uh, March for Life is an anti-abortion rally. Now watch this carefully. The very next day, Saturday, January 20th, millions of women marched on the National Mall for the women's movement, which is a pro-abortion movement. Do you see the clash? Only one day apart. Only one day apart. Do you think that the women's movement strategically planned to have it the day after the Right to Life movement? Of course they did. Absolutely they did. And the point is to try to neutralize what went on the day before. You see, it's life versus death. It's anti-abortion versus pro-abortion. It's light versus darkness. Simply, simply that. The clash of the kingdoms is light versus darkness. Folks, the enemy, Satan, our adversary, whatever you want to call him, is ramping things up. And it's so easy to see. So, we have women against women. 
All the women on Friday are for uh, against abortion. All the women on Saturday are for abortion. The difference being the women on Saturday are angry and full of hate and hate the women who marched on Friday. Now, the people and folks, and they were men that also marched on Friday, wasn't just women, but primarily women, they don't have the same anger and hatred toward the women who are pro-abortion. But this division, this anger, this hatred, it's being unleashed in an unprecedented way. Now, this clash of the kingdoms has been going on. This uh, different, these differences between the abortion movement and the anti-abortion, anti-abortion movement have been there, sure. But it's now been taken up to a new level. The women's movement comes right on the heels of the March for Life. I don't think that's a coincidence by any means. So, we have women against women, division, women against women. Now, let's look at what's happening in the black and white community in America. We have Black Lives Matter. That started several years ago with that whole incident with the young black man and the the police cop. So Black Lives Matter marches and they hate police and then there's all this talk of white supremacy. Now, when you allow those kinds of words to come out of your mouth, what do you think that does? It sows seeds of rebellion, seeds of anger, seeds of division, seeds of violence. And then we have people tearing down monuments, monuments of men, just because they were in the Confederate Army, which... um, to many blacks represents this whole issue of slavery. So we have to tear down the monuments. And we also have white people supporting tearing down these monuments. So not only do we have that, but we have a backlash against our national anthem. I'm not even just talking about taking a knee. I'm talking about African-Americans who don't even want the star-spangled banner as our national anthem. They don't want it any longer because the third stanza, have you ever sung the third stanza of the star-spangled banner? No, you haven't. But the third stanza, which we never sing, contains the word slavery. Therefore, we have to get rid of that star-spangled banner. But, What most Americans don't know, including African-Americans, is that when Francis Scott Key wrote those verses, what was going on at the moment? Yes, we were fighting the British. And the British had slaves. And that's what he was referencing. So, we take things out of context, and suddenly... Now there's a movement to remove the Star-Spangled Banner as our national anthem. 
Things, my friend, have gotten very out of control. There is a strategy, and that's what we have to understand as Christians. There is a strategy, there is a plan from hell and Satan and his cohorts that has been devised to keep the anger and the hatred going on between the black and white races. Now, can you see that what is going on in the natural is a reflection of what is happening in the spiritual? Or you could even say vice versa. What's happening in the spiritual is being a reflection of what's happening in the natural. Ecclesiastes says there is nothing new under the sun. All of this chaos, this turmoil, this anger between Democrats, between Republicans, all of it has a purpose behind it. See, there's a purpose here, and that's what we have to grab a hold of and understand. There is a purpose, there is a strategy that has been put in place from hell to bring division to our nation, to keep us disunified. Now, the woman's movement is committed to resist. And you've seen placards and signs. You've heard people on television talk about resist. We will resist. Where do you think that strategy possibly came from? When they chant, we will resist. It means there's not going to be unity. Okay, so as long as that goes on, as long as this movement, Bernie Sanders, we will resist. As long as that goes on, there will be no unity in our country. Why? Because the very term resist makes that obvious. Now, let's put things into focus from a Christian perspective. Because I'm here to talk to you as Christians. I'm talking to you about the biblical standard. We have a different standard that we live by. We don't live according to this world. We live in this world, but we're not living according to these standards, the standards in our culture, which are extremely far from God, so far that it's not even funny. I actually was going to take time to talk to you about some things that are happening even in the homosexual and transgender community toward children and what they're doing to these children, but I, I couldn't even bring myself to talk about it. Let's just say, for time's sake, that there, there are some very dark, vile, evil things going on, and it's hurting little children. So I'm going to give you the Christian perspective. So let's look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 2 through 6. Now I'm reading out of the New New King James um, Version today. Paul writes, But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. And here's here's a very key statement. 
For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations, arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, folks, we have to be cognizant, mentally aware at all times, that people are not our problem. We are not warring, you know, this Republican-Democrat thing. We're not warring against people. This is a spiritual battle, and people are being influenced by the demonic forces of hell. They're being influenced to say certain things. They're being influenced to act certain ways. Uh, The weapons that we have as Christians, they're not carnal. We're not fighting with tongues and, and, uh, uh, you know, punching people and, you know, pulling out guns and knives. No, the weapons that we have are mighty in God. And our weapons are prayer and worship. So... We have to be cognizant, mentally aware at all times that people are not our problem. We are not fighting people. Who are we fighting against, you might ask? Well, Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians 6, verses 11 through 12. Here's what he says. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil So all of this craziness that's going on currently, they are the wiles, the tricks, the plans, the strategies of the devil. Paul writes, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So who are we fighting? People? No. We are fighting this fight in the spiritual realm. We are fighting wicked, evil powers in heavenly places. It's the clash of the kingdoms. What I saw in 2007, took my breath away. That's how fierce this clash was that I saw in the spirit realm. Now, in our day, we are seeing this clash manifested in the natural realm. You're seeing it in the natural. You are seeing people being violent and angry and vitriolic and full of hate, and they're spewing it out. I mean, this anger and hatred that people are spewing forth, it really has gone to a new level. Now, are we surprised? Really, we shouldn't be. Will it get worse? Most likely. But what does Paul admonish us as believers? 
turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Because I believe that everything Paul writes here in this chapter, 1 through verses 1 through 24, is going to really put it into perspective. Okay, this is what he says. He says, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify another, one another, just as you also are doing. And we, Paul says, we, we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Important statement there. Hold fast what is good. Verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. I really believe that's a 
a short treatise to us, even in this day, right now. These are things we must do. See, we can't be sober. I mean, excuse me, we can't be not sober. We can't afford to not be sober. We have to be alert, watchful. And we have to put on the breastplate of faith and love. We have to comfort and edify and and build up one another. We have to see that we don't render evil for evil to anyone, no one, but always pursuing what is good and holding fast to that which is good, abstaining from every form of evil. That's what we're called to do. Now, this is where I feel like we need to be very careful. And the writer of Hebrews, if you turn with me to Hebrews 12, and I, it's just my belief that Paul wrote Hebrews. I mean, it just sounds like Paul, but you know, there's all kinds of controversy about that. But nevertheless, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 through 15. The writer writes this, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. This is where we have to be very, very careful. We need to make sure that we don't allow any root of bitterness to spring up in us, okay? And we have to make our paths our spiritual paths straight so that our feet are not lame. We can't afford to be lame or be dislocated. See, Paul is talking about spiritual things here. He's, he, he's, you know, he's literally saying, like, you've got to get rid of old habits, mindsets. Um, you know, you just can't be walking spiritually dislocated. Wounds of the heart have to be healed. Walking in forgiveness and the love of God. The church of Jesus Christ has been walking with lame feet. Yeah, they have. And they've been dislocated. But it's time that we personally take care of these issues in our heart that in some cases have severely dislocated our walk. Now, this is what the writer of Hebrews says. Whoops. Chapter 12, whoops, I'm sorry. He says, therefore, yeah, chapter 12, verses 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. We have to take care of these issues I want to conclude with Romans, Paul writing in chapter 13, verses 
11 through 14, Paul says, And do this, knowing the time, that is now high time. It is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Folks, we have to recognize that the spiritual warfare that we are part of is a reality. The kingdoms of this world are clashing with the kingdoms of our God, and we must cast off every work of darkness. We have to walk in peace and not strife in our homes. You see, we can't afford to allow any strife in our homes. It's not a luxury, my friend. It's not a luxury you can afford any longer. If you're causing strife in your home, stop it now. And don't give the excuse, my husband is this and that, or my wife does this and says that. So what? You've been redeemed and set apart for holiness. Your garments are garments of righteousness. Get in your prayer closet. Cry out to God for your spouse and or your children. Stand on God's promises. Use the word, which is your sword. Look, I know facts are facts. But we move the facts with God's word and we watch God work. So I bless you in Jesus' name to awake out of your sleep, get your feet straight and no longer lame, get undislocated, get things right, put things right in your life, do what the scriptures say. Get in your prayer closet, stay in God's word, and you will be able to handle the clash of the kingdoms. Well, this is Dawn Noble of Pure Heart Ministries. You can go to www.pureheart.today. I look forward to being with you next week. Shalom, shalom. Peace be unto you.